1: Miami, surge, surge, the new Miami, the new Woo. Miami, the new Miami, surge, surge. It's thing when we walk through, with the you ain't no bark dude, straight dog when we bring the fight, ain't scared of no bright lights.
2: All right, welcome back to the Wide Ride Podcast. I'm Manny Navarro, your host and beat writer at The Athletic, and today I've got uh, one co-host, not two, because the other co-host is ducking me. I don't know what he's up to. Uh, Mr. Calvin Harris, but uh, we do have Carlos Ledo, my former co-host over at Onside Radio and diehard Miami Hurricanes fan. He's old school. He's got the old school Luther Campbell Hurricanes green jacket, which makes him automatically a guest on the show uh, anytime he wants to come on.
1: How you doing? Carlos? Absolutely good, man. And uh, you forget to mention that my middle name is Fresh Kid Ice. That's correct. I did forget to
2: mention that. So um, you watched the spring game. I was there in person. I came home. I watched it twice on YouTube. And what are your thoughts? I want to get let's just get right into it. Uh, I know it's Wednesday, April 21st already. We're probably four days too late to talk about all this stuff. But, you know, we got a long time before the season starts. So let's review the spring game. What uh, what did you take away? What was your what were you most impressed with? What were
1: you most disappointed with? Well, I think everybody's going to go right to the quarterbacks. And that's, you know, that's obvious. I think everybody's excited about Jake Garcia. Everybody's excited about TVD. But to me, I, I want to talk about some guys that maybe we hadn't seen before that I saw some, some pretty, pretty good things out of and some flashes. Uh, specifically, Avante Williams. That dude is a beast. Uh, Keyshawn Washington looked good, too, to me. And Chase Smith looks like a freak athlete, man. And once To me, when you get Keyshawn Washington, Avante Williams, Chase Smith, and James Williams on the field at the same time, when all those guys are ready to play, that's going to be disgusting. Those guys are incredible athletes.
2: Yeah, I I, I really uh, agree with that wholeheartedly. I mean, I watched uh, the replay over again, and it's funny on on Saturday in the stadium, David Fronas, who covers the Hurricanes for the Sun Sentinel, he was kind of my wingman, but we were we were tracking defensive stats, and then David Wilson from the Miami Herald was taking care of the offensive stats because that's the way we roll. We we're like a media contingent. We're like a little mob. The three and- amigos. Right. And so since it's a spring game, nobody's going to take official stats for UM. You know, they'll come up with whatever they want to share with us later. But we we were, we just basically decided, okay, screw it. We're going to do it ourselves. And so I tracked all the tackles, every single defensive stat that I could even replaying on my phone, you know, to try to try to get back and, and, and just count everything up correctly. And when I finally sat down at home and watched it over again on TV, I said, yeah, th- to me, the DBs really popped. And it, and really, it's the way that they played, the physicality that they played with, like Keisha oh, yeah. Washington, the hit that he, he was made out. Him. Yeah. And to me, this is all Javaris Robinson. It's his influence as far as the way that he visualizes the game in the secondary. And so I think. You know, it's hard to take much away from a spring game when you're, you know, playing two coverages and as vanilla as can be because you don't want to show Alabama anything. That's the way Manny Diaz rolls. And you're missing 16 guys, at least 16 guys who were, you know, supposed to be playing in the game. Um, but if you take away something, I take away the quarterback play, the physicality on the secondary by some of those young guys. And then certainly I think Charleston Rambo really impressed me. The, that four catch stretch where he. Yeah. Um, you know, caught the ball and, and just made moves and got into the, you know, got closer to the end zone. Drove, I think he had gains of like 13, 17, six It was like a constant, you know, first down with him every time he got the ball. It, which doesn't seem really like impressive.
1: much, right? which honestly doesn't seem like much, but when you're coming off a season where the receivers were so inconsistent uh, and the only real d- consistent guy that you had was Mike Harley and, and really towards the second half of the season, it was Mike Harley. Having a guy like that that you can go to for games that can get you first downs and having Harley be that guy that he was in the second half of the season adds a new dimension to the office because now you can move the chains and you're not stuck necessarily in third and long all the time, not being able to get, get a first down, not be able to move the chains. So Rambo's consistency I think is going to be as critical as anything on that offense.
2: And Xavier
1: Restrepo, I mean, he did most of
2: his damage with the second unit, um, you know, the sec- against the second team defense. But the one thing I like about him is that he seems confident catching the ball. Like you don't see any fear. There was one play where he got hit pretty hard after making the catch and he just stood up and did, you know, that typical receiver thing where, you know, he kind of like sticks the arm forward, like first down, you know, like in your face type of thing. And I can see why coaches really like him and why they say he's, he's made a step forward. I think without question, the biggest development this spring was the fact that now you got other receivers. You see talent and you see ability and you have a little more confidence in that group versus where you were at the beginning. And you said, okay, they got Mike Harley and can they find somebody else to really develop? And I think that, that's, that's a huge victory.
1: And that catch that Restrepo made on the touchdown, getting his foot down, I mean, seeing it on TV and seeing the replay, it was clean. He got that ball down, he got his foot down. And how, when was the last time you saw a receiver make a catch like that for the Hurricanes? Right.
2: No, it's it's uh well just make a catch, right?
1: Um period, yeah.
2: Yeah, Mark Pope and D. Wiggins. Mark Pope dropped an absolutely disgusting ball, which I sent you the video clip. And if and if you haven't seen it yet and you and you get a chance to go back and watch it, you know, you listen to this podcast, I laughed because if you they kind of panned in the replay to the to the defensive sideline, you can see Tyreek Stevenson like flipping his helmet and disgust and, and him and, and Mark Pope were teammates of course at Southridge, but it was just one of those yeah. moments where, Hey, it's not just us who get pissed off every time Mark Pope drops a ball. Like <laughs> it's the people around them, yeah. buddies. Um It was, it was pretty hilarious. He did bounce back and played better. Right. He put up the best numbers in terms of yardage. Uh, I think he had yeah. But I mean, yardage again,
1: yardage. he's, he's, he's not doing it against the type of coverage that gave him the most trouble last year right. when they and were he, in his face, had to go downfield and make a catch with somebody on him. Right. I mean, that's where he had his difficulty.
2: Right. And, and, and most of those catches were against the second team defense, which is where he was playing. I mean, the second team offense. Um, a, a couple of other observations. Um, I, you know, it was hard to tell how good the linebackers really are because they didn't run the ball a ton. Right. I yeah. mean, uh, I think Cameron Harris had four carries and I think Jalen Knighton had seven or eight or whatever it was. Um so to me, you know, we're sitting here wondering about the run defense. Are they going to be better on run defense? I think it's big that Keantra Smith is that weak side linebacker and that he's running with the first team. Him and Corey Flagg were the two first team linebackers. And the one thing I like about Keantra is he's a very, very disciplined, solid open field tackler. Now, you know, he's going to have to put on weight to play that position against Alabama, probably like 20 more pounds at least. But from what I saw of him, in limited action, he was able to bring down Jalen Knighton, and that's not an easy thing
1: to do. Yeah, that was a great open field tackle.
2: Yeah, it was. Two of them. It was back-to-back plays, actually. One on a run, one on a catch. And I'm not saying Miami solved its linebacker situation by any stretch, but I certainly feel like, okay, you talk about somebody moving positions, that was a good decision to move him to weak side linebacker because he played a ton in the box at Chaminade. And you can see he's got natural ability there.
1: Yeah. And I think what's going to help him is, I mean, if you're going to be a smaller linebacker, you need defensive tackles to occupy the offensive line and get in the backfield to be able to run free and make plays. And hopefully when Nesta comes back, he and John Ford can do that. And Gerard Harrison Hunt and Jordan Miller can make those types of plays in the backfield and keep guys off country for him to roam around and make plays. Um, Corey Flagg is a middle linebacker or, or whoever the middle linebacker may be. is probably going to have to do more filling and taking on doubles, whereas Keontra could, could use his speed or, and move around and, and uh, make plays. And hopefully that's the case. And speaking about John Ford, he, he had a couple plays where he looked good. You know, he pushed, a, he pushed the, uh, the line of scrimmage back a couple times. He looked okay. But I mean, I, to me, he just doesn't look as dominant as they need him to be. And hopefully having Nesta next to him will, will help that in the fall.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, the one thing I will say is statistically speaking, and again, we didn't get a chance to watch the first two scrimmages, but I will say this, the first-team defense, like you didn't see guys, the running backs, blow up. I mean, yes, Jalen Knighton scored on a 27-yard touchdown run uh, against the first-team defense, but what you didn't see were like them gashing the first-team defense. Right. And I don't know how much of that is Manny Diaz, you know, just – in terms of coaching guys up to be in better positions, teaching the defensive line how to do a better job at—I don't know what it is—but at least in these scrimmages, you didn't
1: have guys running all over them. Yeah, absolutely. And that that long run that Jalen Knighton had, Avante Williams came in like a rocket and missed him, and that's how he broke.
2: Yeah, and he injured DJI on that play, uh, just <laughs> yeah. kind of playing with reckless abandon, which is why you heard Manny in the post-game conference uh press conference say that you know these young young safeties and dbs are talented but they're wild you know because yeah they're trying to make big hits and whatnot um yeah the cornerback play is interesting um Tyreek isaiah Steve's, dunson
1: was pretty pretty physical too
2: isaiah dunson was. Yeah, was yeah he was he makes he made a lot of tackles i think i had him down for five and a half um you know to Corey couch missed half the spring with the injured neck that number two cornerback position you know i think the feedback i was getting from coaches you know privately and from staffers was he's having a great spring like they were really really encouraged because he was doing a better job deflecting balls but then you go and you put on the spring game and he was getting beat on deep on coverages a couple times so i don't know i don't know what to really make of it i don't know how serious dj ivy's injury is i talked to kelvin earlier today and I guess you heard through the through the through the grapevine that, that uh, it's
1: not as bad
2: as they thought it was uh, for DJ but I again well, I don't let's know.
1: take well, let's take everything Kelvin says with a grain of salt because my man likes to throw rainbows and sunshine <laughs> with every bit of news he throws out so let's let's hold off on that
0: <laughs> looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24/7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit DirectTV.com. requires high-speed internet connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on direct TV terms and restrictions apply. Um, it, there was
2: a lengthy list of injuries, right? I mean, there, there were a lot of guys who missed, but again, for, for the fans who worry about that kind of stuff, I'll say this, there's a long time from, from now until kickoff. Okay. I mean, it's, it's April 21st as we're recording this. Now you got another four months, man, before we even, you know, in the middle of fall practices. So I think, um, I think they're going to have time to recover and get healthy. Um, the injuries I'm most concerned with, in all honesty, are guys like Al Blades who had the stress fracture coming back from myocarditis. We don't know what kind of shape he's going to be in. And he's a guy that, you know, ideally, uh, if DJ Ivy's seriously hurt, which we don't know for 100% sure or not, um, you know, you're going to need a guy like him, right, to be that fourth cornerback until Isaiah Dunson or some of these other guys are ready. Yeah. So
1: that that's Plus he's a veteran point. with with lots of game experience under his belt. Correct. Which helps. Yeah, and I think like to your point of of Ivy getting beat, I think part of that is also they're they were playing coverages they normally don't play, for the most part. I think yeah, moving forward they're going to be a man to man type team, and they were playing a lot of cover two, cover four.
2: Right, right. I'm just pointing out that in the game the the, the play that D Wiggins dropped the 53 yard pass that he was going to you know it looked like he, at least it was ruled that it was a drop. Uh, he beat Ivy down the field on that, and that was on press coverage. So yeah. I'm, that's all I'm saying. I'm not, I'm not ripping DJ Ivy. I'm just saying, you know, it's, it's still, that's the one thing, right? You want the cornerback who's going to get the hand in there and deflect the ball away. And ultimately he did, even if replays maybe didn't agree with it, but, but anyway, that's, that's neither here nor there. Um. So, I mean, those are kind of the key points we can talk about the quarterbacks now. Um, I would say this, I talked to uh, people around college football about Jake Garcia to get some perspective guys that know the ACC landscape guys that know recruiting really, really well. And I will tell you, I had at least three people tell me that they think Jake Garcia is
1: going to be a star. And well, let me say this. I I played, believe it or not, quarterback in high school. I coached quarterbacks at the high school level, which is to say I know absolutely nothing about the position other than I just wanted to say that. Um, and, but I love the way Jake Garcia looked, moving around in the pocket. I loved his accuracy. I loved his willingness to push the ball down the field, which is something that I think he has an advantage over on TVD. And to me, just looking at it again, I'm a nobody, I'm a fan. He looks better than Sam Howell at freshman freshman.
2: yeah i think I think that's a great comparison. I think he I think he's very much on that Sam Howell type level as far as being a top fifty recruit, being a guy who you see the moxie and the confidence. When when Sam Howell played the Hurricanes as a freshman a couple of years ago up there in in North Carolina, um, he was fearless in that fourth quarter. Right, it yeah. didn't matter that Miami had the lead; like he drove them right down the field and scored and and beat them. I think Jake Garcia is that kind of player. And I and I'll say this: I feel like if Derek King is not ready to start the opener, which there's no evidence whatsoever, we'll talk about him in a minute. I felt coming out of that spring game that he could be – Jake Garcia could be a starter that wins you 9, 10, 11 games. Like, that's that's how good of a quarterback I think he is. And it really comes down to what you said about him last, Carlos. It's the fact that he is more accurate with the deep balls than Tyler Van Dyke. And you could see it. You go back and you, and you look at every single one of those throws. There's one instance where TVD tried to throw it deep, I think, either to Restrepo – or
1: Pope and it just mm-hmm. kind of
2: sailed on him. Almost throw and- Jake Garcia
1: made was on the money. Like, Yeah, and money. I think it's ridiculous. The issue with TVD is, and here's again, me just getting technical and not, again, I'm a nobody, but his throwing motion, he tends to get under the ball when he's throwing the ball deep because of the way he throws the ball almost like three quarters. He reminds me a little bit of, of Philip Rivers, the way he throws the ball. Mm-hmm. And he, he sails the ball because his hand is under the ball instead of on top of it as so he's letting go down the field. So it sails on him a little bit, whereas Garcia has got a beautiful throwing motion. TVD to me, seems to have a stronger arm. But like you said, Garcia's accuracy makes a difference. Yeah.
2: I mean, every ball that he was throwing down the field was hitting guys between the numbers. Like there were very rare instances where, you know, and, and those were usually when he was moving. Right. Or Mark or
1: Mark Pope's uh, case in his face. <laughs> right.
2: Um. I don't know. I, I like TVD, too. And, and the feedback I got regarding TVD from, from three people that I trust, three people that don't have any reason to want to you know, make Miami look good because they're, they're, they're not affiliated with the school in any way, shape or form, um, was this is a guy that could start at probably 12 of the you know 14 ACC schools. the conference that's what they think of tvd you know and and he could it's just i would say the difference between him and Jake garcia is that deep ball and the star potential i think people see Jake garcia as a star i think they see tvd as a solid
1: starter right i i think you would i I would see tvd's got a great arm and i think his his uh that his ability to throw the ball across the field from hash to hash is really impressive which is difficult to do Mm -hmm. um I, i think his one of his other problems is that he doesn't change speeds well with his ball so he doesn't know how to put a little bit of touch on it and it's funny because mike harley put uh and there was a meme they threw out the other day but i saw it and it was like a kid standing in front of his father winding up to throw a ball like two feet away and he just fires it mm-hmm. and mike harley quoted it and said this is this reminds me of tvd mm-hmm. and it, and it, i think that's one of the things that tvd needs to work on is be able to change speeds locate the ball a little bit better uh, reduce that arm speed a little bit but i think he's he's he could be a potential guy like uh, uh cody pickett from pitt I think he's that kind of a guy that could be a four-year starter at a a ACC school and maybe not be the top end ACC schools, but he could be a starter, a long-term starter anywhere else.
2: It's going to be really interesting summer and we'll, and we'll get into some other topics like recruiting and transfer portal and all that kind of stuff in a minute. But, you know, I think the one thing you feel good about is at least after this summer, you're going to have three quarterbacks that could be starters that could win you games. And I don't know how long, how long it's been since you've been able to say that at Miami. Right. I mean, where you feel well, like you've got three before guys. Before
1: Derek King, when, when do we have one guy where we said, oh, wow, this guy <laughs> could win games?
2: Well, I mean, I think you probably have to go all the way back to, uh, you know, when when Vinny and, and Kozar and, and, and all those guys were on the same roster, right, way back when. I don't know. I mean, maybe Erickson and Toretta and those guys. The, and Walsh, the Walsh, yeah. And Walsh. I, I just you, – you probably have to go back to then when, when you felt like you had three guys. Now, with the transfer portal and the and the new one-time transfer rule where you can – automatically play wherever you want college football is going to be changed forever. Right. But for now, right now, this summer, enjoy it, Miami fans. This might be the only time you ever have
1: three quarterbacks that you have confidence in. Um, yeah. Likely of one, that, of them, one of them is going to go once the leaves, and the other one's in the starter more than like,
2: yeah. And we don't know what's going to happen. If Rhett Lash, I mean, if Miami is as good as they are, Rhett Lash is going to end up getting a head coaching job somewhere. Right. If Miami ends up being as good as they want to be rather, I should say. Um, so you would think that, you know, if they're that good and, and, if, and if people who are impartial and don't have any reason to just want to blow Miami um, say that they think these guys are that good, um, you would think that, OK, at some point that, that that's going to come to a head. So um, but outside of that, uh, we didn't see enough of the running game to really say much other than to me. uh knowing the injury to Donald Cheney Jr., the shoulder injury, and the fact that he may not be ready for the season opener. I think Jalen Knighton of the two running backs between him and Cam Harris, I think he's the better of the two. He's got the better vision. Um, He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's affected. And his explosion. Has explosion. Right. I think Cam Harris is your between-the-tackles runner. But... um, you know, if I had to handicap it right now, April 21st at uh, 9, 10 p.m., I would say I think that's what's going to happen, that you're going to end up having uh, Jalen and start against Alabama. But we'll see. Long time from here to there. Um, the offensive line, what were your observations there?
1: I mean, again, like you said, it's hard to tell because they didn't run the ball a lot, and I think their biggest issue last year was getting pushed up front when they were running the ball inside, and we didn't get to see that. Um but I, that one run that Jalen Knight had, that, run, that long run, I believe Jalen Rivers was in a guard. Yeah. And, and they seemed to run the ball a little bit better with Jalen Rivers at guard. He just mauled somebody on down block to break Jalen Knight in free. Um, he looked impressive to me in that play and a few plays that he was in that I was able to notice him. Mm-hmm. I mean, outside of that, I mean, not a whole lot to say, really. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I noted that in my my coverage for The Athletic, that both of the long runs by the first-team offense, the 27-yard touchdown run and the 13-yard run by Cam Harris, um, both of those runs were through the left side. And I think Jalen Rivers was in on both next to Zion Nelson. So, um, you know, I know Navon Donaldson is going to be a huge factor for Miami, having him healthy, motivated, 345-pound human being, um, that's going to help Miami against Alabama's defensive front. But I think, you know, I still see areas on the offensive line where, okay, they're still not there yet, you know, as far as getting push. And I, we'll have to see how, you know, uh, Garen Justice sort of brings these guys along. But as far as pass blocking, I think they're better. I do. I think they're, they're doing a better job. I mean, going into that spring game, someone on staff told me they'd only given up two sacks and
1: a hundred snaps, scrimmage snaps. Um, that was pretty good. That's a pretty good average. Yeah. It's, hopefully that means that they're actually blocking well and the defensive ends are not just terrible.
2: Right. But I, I, th- I, I think either way, you know, obviously they showed nothing. They're not, they're not going to show any exotic, they weren't going to show any exotic blitz packages in the spring game, but I'm sure they did some of that stuff in the scrimmages. You know, because they need right. to practice that. So the fact that they only only gave up two sacks, uh, the first team offensive line in 100 scrimmage snaps, uh, that 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 seems good to me. And, you know, uh, I saw there was somebody on Twitter today who mentioned, you know, like wishing uh, Jakai Clark, the left guard, uh, a speedy recovery. the the team nowadays by the way whenever rumors get out there right with with injuries i don't know what that means uh manny diaz didn't share any details regarding injuries you know other than the 15 guys that he designated before the game uh but i think you know as long as you get jakai clark back at some point here uh before the start of the season i'm comfortable starting jalen rivers at left guard i think i've seen enough uh, good footage and heard enough good feedback that if he's not, you know, if Jakai Clark is not ready to go against Alabama, I don't think there's any significant drop off having Jalen Rivers in there.
1: No, absolutely not. And I think to me, the three best interior linemen are Jakai, Ja'Kai Clark, Jalen Rivers, and uh, Navon Donaldson. You know, Corey Gaynor to me still hasn't impressed. He, he didn't have a really good season last year. And I didn't see anything out of him in the spring game. Obviously, we didn't see a whole lot, but it wasn't, I didn't see anything where he popped to say, wow, this guy's gotten better and stronger. Right.
2: And if Kelvin was on right now, he'd be sc- yelling and screaming and say, that's not true. Corey is a uh, much better player than that. And you know what? Um, Corey's the next Brett
1: Romberg. You're going to see it next year. <laughs>
2: uh, the PFF disagrees. Uh, and they're not the final say-all, but, you know, I think, I think most people can see with their own eyes.
1: Uh, you know, I was going it- to give you homework, and I totally forgot about that. I was going <laughs> to ask you to look at the PFF number, because this is what I do since I don't have a subscription and you do. Uh, I'm kind of like that dude that bums a Netflix password off his buddy. Right. So I can watch all the shows I want for free. Right. Um, I wanted to see DJ Scaife's last year at tackle. what his PFF numbers were and what Jared Williams PFF number was last year and compare the two.
0: Okay.
1: Now, no pressure to do it right now. We can keep talking with the show.
2: Yeah, I, I can do it for you. Um, let me call it up right here. Miami pass blocking grades, right? Or, or just blocking grades in general. Yeah. Just blocking grades. About? In yeah. R- repeat. Who is it that you want to know? Who do you want me to compare?
1: DJ Scaife and uh, was it 19, I guess, when he was at tackle. And then last year, uh,
2: Jared Williams. Well, I can tell you off the top of my head. I know Jared Williams put up better numbers. Um, all right. Here's what we have for Jared Williams. Okay. Last year he lined up for 727 snaps at right tackle for Miami, graded out uh, at 69.8 for an overall offensive grade. His pass blocking was close to to 80%, 79.7, which if you're in the green and he's in a a very nice color green there, that means he was good as far as pass blocking. Run blocking was, you know, yellow, which is average, 63.4. And I can tell you from looking at – let's see some other things here as far as uh, run blocking here for what they have for our boy here. All right. Run blocking. Uh, Jared Williams graded out 63.4. Again, that's on the yellow. So that's what they have from there. All right. So, and I think they may give us um, pressures allowed, etc. So let's see here.
1: Must be pretty good if he was almost eighty. All
2: right, here we go. Uh, pressures allowed. Um, all right. DJ Scafe at guard allowed 17 pressures last year in 472 pass blocking snaps. Zion Nelson was next with 12 in 355 snaps. And then Jared Williams, 10 pressures, two sacks in 380, no, 418 snaps. So 10. So to remember that 10 pressures, two sacks
0: mm-hmm. in
2: 418 pass blocking snaps. Let me go back to 2019 now. And take a look at our boy DJ Scaife. DJ Scaife played 521 snaps, gave up three sacks and 23 pressures. Wow. Yeah.
1: So uh I don't know, man. And he like graded was... up
2: to 70.2, so a higher grade for Jared for Jared Campbell. But I, I've been told from conversations I've had with with staff members that he, you know, DJ had a really, really good camp, you know, and he wasn't giving up sacks. So Um, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with Jared Williams. He's coming back for his, uh, 16th season at Miami. Right. Um,
1: his son is currently a a recruit. He's going to be a senior this year.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So we'll have to see how, what kind of goes on, but I I think right now, um, left tackle center and right guard are the three positions that are completely 1000% locked. And I would say right tackle and left guard are the two positions that will drift into, um, the fall where you still have questions, but if, if, if Jared Williams and he didn't play in the spring game, you know, no, no disclosed reasons by Miami. Yeah. Team. That's kind of a mystery there. Um, I would think the thinking I was told was that they would share that position that Scafe and Jared Williams would share that position and Clark and Jalen Rivers would share left guard, that that was the plan. Those seven guys sort of rotating um, on the offensive line with potentially an eighth, uh, if somebody else were to emerge. So that's what I got for you as far as offensive line is concerned. Um, defensive line, uh, I was impressed by Deandre Johnson who missed, you know, basically 10 spring practices cause he was dealing with COVID protocols. He had two and a half tackles for loss, including a sack that the, the safety where he beat John Campbell, uh, the backup left, uh, tackle to get to, uh, Jake Garcia. I know it was just a spring game. I know it was vanilla, all that kind of stuff. But I-, I thought he moved pretty well.
1: Yeah, he looks big. He looks athletic. He looks like he has the potential to be a, a good defensive end. And again, I think it's going to be, it's, it's hard to tell now because of the COVID protocol and how he got into camp late, what he's really going to be. But I think eventually he could be a solid defensive end. I don't think, I don't think they have anybody on the roster. It's going to be obviously Jalen Phillips, Greg Rousseau, or anything like that but if you can get a guy that's solid, you know, maybe a a Chad Chad Thomas type, somebody that can be solid and, and maybe spread the wealth a little bit along the defensive line in terms of sacks, I think they'll be fine.
2: Yeah, and and it's kind of a mystery, you know, Jafari Harvey wasn't really talked about at all during camp and yet he started uh the spring game didn't really produce any tackles for loss or big plays. Um you know, he's the guy that they were really high on uh coming out of last year and it was kind of surprising that You know, we didn't hear more about him. So that was a
1: little disappointing. Yeah. Um, Cam Williams. Yeah. Cam Williams uh, got hurt. He looked okay. Right. Before the injury.
0: Requires high speed internet connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on direct TV terms and restrictions apply.
2: Yeah. I I, I don't know. I think it's going to be, you know, basically what I've, what my understanding is going to be a four man sort of rotation and and you're going to see a lot of these snaps split evenly. And then if somebody gets hot, you know, they'll go with, with that guy. But I think, you know, it's good to see Zach McCloud will actually be able to give him something. Um, I don't know how great he's going to be, but I think he'll at least be around to, to, to help um, that was necessary. Um, but I would say this. You're right. I, I don't think there's an elite guy right now who's popping for them.
1: Yeah, and I think you can bring Zach McLeod in on, on obvious pass rush downs. So it could be a Trent Harris type, uh, a Demetrius Jackson type, one of those guys mm-hmm. that rotates in on, specialist, on, on special pass downs. One guy that made an impressive play to me was Elijah Roberts, where they threw that screen to Xavier Restrepo, and he chased him down and made an open field tackle. And that was, that was pretty impressive. Right, right. No doubt. Um, I think we fit every main position, right? We didn't skip anything. Uh,
2: so I came out with a top 50 player list, as I mentioned earlier, and, you know, talked to those scouts. Did you get a chance to see my list and any any uh, any ones that you disagreed with?
1: I mean, I, to- I told you what I thought when you talked to me about off, off air. I think your list was okay. I thought it was solid. Um, I think everybody's ranked where they should be more or less. You know, you could always move a guy up and down a little bit here and there. But I think the point of your list is How many of these guys that are coming back that, you know, we're counting on that have returned for another year are on that top 10, top 15, and we could say, oh, wow, these guys are really going to be impressive come the fall. I don't think there's that many. Yeah, I mean. That's a lot of younger guys. It is.
2: I mean, I feel like the one takeaway I got from the spring game was I like a lot of their young players. Like, I, I, I see a different mentality. I see a different mindset a different level of confidence uh, and skill um i don't know how much we talked about Keyshawn smith but that touchdown catch and i oh, told yeah. you about it <laughs> you hadn't seen the game yet uh, i told you about it over the weekend like just the pivot that he made catching that ball to get into the end i'm not talking about the deep throw that he that he
1: did late in the game against no the, the quick curl that he finished. caught the hitch and he just turned it into a touchdown yeah, like that kind of explosion, those kind of hips, we really haven't seen that from a man in a receiver in a while. And he also did it. He also had a similar catch on the sideline where you turned it up the sideline and it just looked really explosive. Right. We haven't seen that in a long, long time here. And I think, uh, I think it was Kane's legacy uh, that I follow on Twitter did a side by side and showed a play where Andre Johnson did something similar. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wow, it, it looked very, very uh, similar to, to what Dre used to do when catching a hitch, just taking it upfield and getting, getting past everybody.
2: Yeah. It, I feel, again, I started off saying this, I feel much better about the wide receivers than I did at the start of camp. Um, I feel better about the quarterback situation than I did at the start of camp. I don't feel better about the defensive end situation, and I don't feel completely confident linebackers served. I would say those are the takeaways for me from the entire spring.
1: Right. And I think to me, one of the takeaways is, you know, of the guys that came back for another year, and the guys that you're counting to make leaps you know, during the spring and the fall to take it to another level, I don't know how many of those guys actually did, how many of those guys actually popped in the spring where you could say, wow, he's improved his game. You know, Obviously, throughout the camp, they've been saying Harley has, and he's just continuing what he was doing at the end of the season. I, I believe he will be better this year. We'll see more of the second half Mike Harley we did uh, last year. But other than that, I mean, there's not a lot, of guys, a lot of guys you look at and say, wow, he took a leap. He improved what he needs to work on, and it's a little concerning. I would say, and I I forgot to mention,
2: this tight end, right? I mean, no no Will Mallory, no scholarship tight ends in the game. And then, of course, we come to find out uh, a day before the spring game that um, Larry Hodges has missed most of the spring because of violation of team rules. Turned out not to be a serious issue. He got pulled over with some, I think, less than 20 ounces, uh, uh, 20 grams of weed and uh, and a concealed weapon that didn't belong to him. But uh, it doesn't look like he's getting kicked off the team. Two concealed um, weapons. Right. Um, it, it doesn't look like it's too serious. Otherwise, he would have been kicked off the team already. So I think he's going to survive that. But yeah, it charges was... were
1: dropped already, so he's good. What's that? The charges were dropped already. Right. So I think,
2: I think you know, TBD, right? We'll, we'll have to see what happens here with, with the tight end position. But, you know, it's an important spring in terms of replacing Brevin Jordan and, and what Rhett Lashley loves to do, which is those two tight end sets. So I, I don't know. I don't Elijah Royal's still got to get healthy. He's still got to learn the system. He's still got to build chemistry with De'Aaron King. Uh,
1: to me, you know, I don't know Khalil, if Khalil Brantley is going to be you know, able to physically be that kind of a guy that you count on right away. Right. Um, but it's a little scary that you're probably going to count on two freshmen behind Will Mallory and Khalil Brantley and Elijah Royal, as talented as they may be you would have hoped that maybe, uh, you know, Dominic Mamorelli could step in there for a little bit, or Larry Hodges, if he's on the team, could have stepped in there a little bit. It's, it's a little concerning.
2: One thing we can certainly say, Miami will have the best special teams unit in the ACC next year. I mean. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Andres Borgalis is every bit the guy I heard he was uh, from, from people who had been coaching him. Um, you know, 52-yard field goal, 44, 43, inside the stadium. Six for six on field goals inside the stadium. Uh, at hard rock so the kid's not afraid of playing in that environment and he can kick them through the upright so that's great to know Lou Headley's back he had a nice punt went out of bounds at the two yard line interesting to note that uh, Tyreek Stevenson um, Restrepo and Rambo were the guys mainly used in punt and kickoff type situations and the one thing Jonathan Padkey the special teams coordinator has always said is he considers the punt return job not a punt returner but the punt catcher and right. it, it's important that those guys just hold on to the ball which is why mark pope
1: obviously is no longer doing, doing that anymore. right <laughs> that's not the guy you want doing that
2: no but it looks like stevenson will probably be the punt return guy and then you could see restrepo and rambo um on kickoffs so we'll see we'll see how it shakes out uh come the fall man but Overall, some good things to take away from the spring, some questions to take away from the spring. Do we move on
1: to other subjects now, Carlos? You ready to move on? You got anything else well, to say? I think that? I think one thing to point out that mm-hmm. because of your list and what we talked about, with the younger guys being the guys that seem to be more talented. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are focusing on beating Alabama. I don't think the end game should be so much beating Alabama, because to me, I think this roster, at least the the starters and the contributors are going to look a bit different towards the end of the year than they do at the beginning of the year because these young guys are going to work themselves in and they may be taking people's jobs because Manny's going to say, listen, we got a window here. These are the best players, regardless of what their age is. They need to be on the field. Right. Well, and and there's
2: still more to be added potentially through the transfer portal here. I I reported, I think it was right before camp started uh, or, or right at the beginning that, you know, Miami, somebody on Miami staff told me that they would be looking to sign a couple of guys in the transfer portal. Um, you know, a linebacker, a tight end, uh, and an offensive lineman. Those were three guys, you know, they could sign up to five depending on what w- what was available. And, and obviously more names have jumped into the transfer portal since spring football ended um,
1: across the and country. And I heard a rumor, I heard a rumor, now don't hold me to this. Yes. That uh, Lieutenant Chekhov from the Starship Enterprise was spotted <laughs> in the Hex Center, and he's been working on beaming people in.
2: <laughs> well, it's funny, in the middle of the spring game, saturday as i was sitting there somebody sent me a dm on twitter saying juan mitchell linebacker texas he wants to come to miami ask diaz if he's interested and i would i would share it with the world to prove that this happened saturday but i'm not giving up my source so um turns out that's accurate miami is looking at juan mitchell he's a 6'1 230 pound linebacker from texas uh out of, or not from Texas, but played for the Texas Longhorns. started 13 games. He's from Newark, New Jersey. Um, a guy who made the big 12 commissioners honor roll. Uh, so from a character perspective, he, he got good grades. Certainly um, led the team with 62 tackles last season, four and a half for loss, one quarterback hurry, one pass breakup and one fumble recovery. Um, that was in 2020. And in 2019, he started five games uh, log thirty nine tackle. So is a guy that knows how to wrap up. We know the issues at uh, at linebacker, but from what I'm told, Miami still hasn't decided what they're going to do with him if they're going to take him. Uh, I know Kane Sport wrote an article on it, um, the Rivals affiliate. Um, I should have probably made a phone call, but I'm I'm too busy, Carlos. I got too many things going on. Too many things. You're, you're working on Jacksonville Jaguars.
1: Jacksonville Jaguars draft coverage. I was
2: actually writing a Duke State of the Program story that's going to run Friday. <laughs> And and then I got all this draft coverage stuff that I got to get ready for Jalen Phillips and
1: and I dropped that nugget on you of Justin Fields uh, dealing with epilepsy, so that could affect the Jacksonville Jaguars' decision.
2: Right. I mean, this is all uh, this is all stuff now that I got to got to tackle. So I was late on the Larry Hodges stuff, even though I I was told he was going to be fine last Friday. Uh, and then you know I didn't and I, I never jumped on uh, this this Texas linebacker story, but whatever. Um, lot to do, but it's interesting. I mean, that's that's a guy they're targeting. Obviously, they wanted the UNLV offensive tackle that was reported you know, weeks ago. Um, you know, I don't know if that kid's still gonna want to come here knowing the situation,
1: uh, as far as uh, the positions, but we'll see. We'll see what, uh, well, if, if they bring him in, that tells me that they're not comfortable with right tackle, right?
2: And I don't, I think, I think the idea with getting the kid out of UNLV, and I would say his name, except it's really hard to say his name. Um, he, you know, it, the idea is he would come in to help next year. He's got two years left and to be a starter next year. And, you know, that's kind of the luxury position that Miami's in right now with how much they've got an offensive line. But we'll see. We'll see when he makes his decision and where he goes. Um, I still have not heard a name as far as tight end, but linebacker and offensive line, which, again, I reported this over a month ago that Miami, those were positions. Now we have names as far as guys that they're looking at. And considering. And so we'll see. We'll see if Manny Diaz ends up extending an offer to these guys and bringing them in. Um, recruiting wise, uh, Miami still had only one commitment, JaCurry Brown. And talked. I reached out to my buddy, Andrew Ivins, your favorite guy in the world. Remember? Oh God, Andrew? That guy. That guy. <laughs> the guy I
1: ran out of town. He's no longer doing through the smoke because I ran him out.
2: Andrew is now doing a shitload of recruiting in terms of 247 sports nationally. So he's not um, you know, as plugged in at Miami, uh, on day-to-day basis, but, uh, he kind of heard much of the same things that I did as far as position by position, you know, as far as what they're looking for in the transfer portal. But One thing he did share with me is, you know, now that we know the one-time transfer rule, right. That was set by the NCAA, um, last week, you can transfer without having to sit out. And so the whole concept of recruiting has changed. And that's going to be really interesting to watch here with this next signing class for Miami. It's how many scholarships does Manny Diaz use out of the 25 that he's allowed to use? Is he going to use all of them? Is he going to use, uh, I mean, all of them on high school recruits? Or is he going to just keep like 10 for potential transfers? It's going to be really, really interesting. And I think that's a big reason why, um, based off my conversation with Andrew, they're only at one – guy right now as far as commitments so you know it, it what do you think as a fan what are your sort of feelings about all this kind of stuff you know miami maybe becoming a place that you know doesn't stress high school recruits and instead keeps its mind and and ideas open for immediate
1: help well i think it, it it all depends on what the team looks like going into the year if you've got a young team and you've got a bunch of guys that are freshmen and sophomores that you're counting on to start and play for you, then obviously the portal isn't as important because you're, you're, you're using those guys now to, to gain experience and be the foundation for your team moving forward. But I think the thing that Manny has on his hands right now is, number one, he's got a bunch of older guys on the team. He feels he's got a window with De'Ariki he to take advantage of. He feels he can make some noise this year. So if he feels he could fill a gap and plug a guy in to make a difference and get a couple more wins because of it, to solidify a position of weakness, I think he's going to absolutely do that. And to me as a fan, I don't care where the guys come from. Just win, man. At the end of the day, guys come in, they come out, they transfer out. Um, why not supplement your team as best you can filling holes where you can be competitive and, and take it to another level on the, on, on the field and as far as your talent is concerned? Because at the end of the day, you not only need these guys to make impacts on the field immediately and gain wins, but you also need competition within the locker room to be able to get these younger guys to take it to another level as well. And I think that helps. And and just look at the last couple of years, some of the biggest impact guys have been transfer portal guys, Jalen Phillips, for instance, Bubba Bolden. You've had guys that have come over here and made an immediate impact, even uh, KJ Osborne, you know?
2: Yeah. I mean, the, the transfer portal has been really good for Miami. There's no doubt about that. Um, you know, I, I, I look at,
1: we will not speak of the Tommy Kennedy
2: fiasco. Leave that alone. <laughs> we will not discuss that. Um, I look at, you know, the, the signing class here in South Florida this year, and it's like, well, how many of these guys do you say to yourself they're absolutely must gets? You know, I don't know that there's a long list. I think if you if you don't land some of these elite defensive tackles, then I don't think it's a big deal if you don't if you don't clean up down here. Because to me, the defensive tackles and defensive ends that they have down here this year are, are pretty good. And I don't see – I don't know that Miami's leading for any of them, you know?
1: And I think so, that also takes the pressure off Manny in, in high school recruiting a little bit mm-hmm. because he can say, well, listen, we don't have a shot some of these elite guys. Why keep chasing them when I can take a transfer right now right. that I can plug in right away and, and be a start? Right.
2: Um. June first will be the first day everybody is allowed to start visiting campuses, and basically Manny's having a cookout at Miami. He's just you know they're gonna go crazy. It's gonna be a Tuesday afternoon cookout, hamburgers, hot dogs, and he who knows me, like, what else. He asked me to
1: come by and grill my favorite churrasco, my famous churrasco, but I'm just not available at the.
2: You're not. You got too many taxes to do. Um, yeah. But June first is gonna be it's gonna be wild. It's gonna start then, and you know one commitment right now. They got a lot of guys lined up that are sort of out of state guys to come in on official visits. It's going to be wild, man. I, I think, you know, one good news, good bit of news that came out yesterday was this Dillard defensive end um, that they're very much
1: after. Um, I can't pronounce his name either just because it's difficult. I really <laughs> he, decomm- he decommitted from Florida State and man, liked the post.
2: Right. Manny liked the post and they've been after him forever. And, you know, they may not end up getting Kenyatta Jackson or Marvin Jones Jr. Or any, you know, Shamar Stewart, any of these elite guys may all end up leaving here. Um, But this kid, Najalic Kelly, I'm going to, there you go. Najalic Kelly, I think is what you pronounce it out of Fort Diller. He's a four-star kid, 6'4", 235. He might be the kind of guy that they can actually sign and keep here. And so I think, you know, that's a good sign for them. That'll be an interesting sort of storyline to watch here. Um, you know, I, in the end, I, I think Manny's better off signing 15 kids every single year and keeping 10 open for the, for the transfer portal. That's my opinion. I, I wow. think it's really only worth it for 15 kids every year.
1: Yeah, I mean, if 15 kids that you really want, that you really know you have a shot at. Kids that you can many, develop. Right. And how many years have we sat here and looked at, you know, on signing day, them chasing guys? And being played with for them to, at the last minute, have the rug pulled out from under them. I mean, it's not worth doing that anymore.
2: I think that will be the one interesting thing is now if you get, you know, you shoot for the moon, right, for those 15 guys. If you don't get them, are you going to shed any tears? No, because the transfer portal is always going to offer something. that An older player that could help you for two years. Right. I don't know. It's, it's going to be real interesting to see how, how every team in
1: college football now adapts to – Which, transfer. which funny enough, w- the byproduct that will be if they get more wins and they're, they become a better program and they get back in that top 10 year in and year out, mm-hmm. then recruiting as a byproduct will improve. Right.
2: You would think. but
1: Yeah, you yeah. think. I mean
2: – But that's it, brother. I, I got nothing else to talk about. You got anything else on your mind before we wrap up?
1: Uh, other than the fact that Kelvin uh, was scared to come on with us this evening. For some reason, right? he left us alone. You know, he was supposed to be the third leg, like Greg Olson, seventh floor crew. And he just disappeared on us. And I'm not happy about that.
2: Well, listen, uh, he's going to want me to go on his show tomorrow. And
1: I think I should start like a public
2: feud with him. And I'll say, no, I'm not going on your show.
1: And you know what? The only reason he came on my show, by the way, the M.I.A. All Day podcast, if you haven't heard it, I only have like four people to listen to it. But I'm happy with that. Um, <laughs> it's because we forced him on and I had you on because I've been after him for months to come on and he kept like sidestepping. He, he did the Barry Sanders on me. Right. I kept trying to hit him in the hole and he just kept juking.
2: He's too big for us now, man. I mean, the ego. In more ways than one. Yeah. It really, it really has. Uh, Carlos, wonderful job by you again to, uh, to, to sit here with me and talk Canes football. I always enjoy doing that. Uh, I hope people listen to your podcast, sign up and start listening. Cause I'm sure you're going to have good content on there. You, you're well-connected. You get former. Who, so who are some of the former players you've gotten on already?
1: Uh, so far, Kelvin. <laughs> but I, did, I do have an interview with OJ McDuffie because I just don't want to do hurricane stuff. All right. I do, I do want to do uh, stuff across Miami. So uh, I've had you on twice. I had OJ McDuffie, had Kelvin on. i hoping to get Charles Farms on, former safety for the Hurricanes on soon. Trying to get Leon Searcy on, uh, who I've known from our for Life days back in the day. So we'll see. We'll see what we can develop. All right, man. I'm rooting for you. And of Keep course, I always have my buddy, my uh, my my prison ward, Raul from Hialeah, jump in every once in a while. That's right.
2: We haven't heard from Raul. We didn't get any thoughts from him on this spring, but hopefully at some point here, uh, he catches
1: up with us. Usually when the weather gets better, Raul's out on the streets getting crazy, and that's when he ends up in jail again. All right. Well, we're going we're gonna to have to hear from him again soon. That's going to do it for this
2: episode of Wide Right. For Carlos Ledo, I'm Manny Navarro. We will see you next time.
1: this is the state of Miami, y'all know y'all come down that way.